Um, in 2 Timothy verse 3, um, chapter 2, verse 3, it begins with um, a truth that maybe sometimes we don't think about. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. First, I want us to acknowledge that these three metaphors that Paul uses, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, have a couple of things in common. The first thing I noticed is they're all careers. They're all jobs. The second thing, they all require training. The third that I noticed about all three of these metaphors is they all demand hard work. So what does that tell us about living the Christian life? Well, the first thing it tells us as a, as a career, it means that we are communicating that the Christian life is our life's work. It's our life's work. Have you ever thought about that? That above the career that you are doing, that being a Christian is our life's work. As training, what this tells us is we're not born knowing how to live like Christ. It takes time. It takes rethinking and readjusting and creating memory muscle that we instinctively live out the way that Christ has taught us. It's not just reading God's word for knowledge. It's reading it so that it becomes the very part of who we are. It's hard work. What does that mean for us as Christians? It means we don't run from suffering. We expect it. That's not normal, is it? It means we don't run from suffering, from hardship. We don't run from Jesus because we know the results of the hard work is worth it. Because Jesus is worth everything we have, everything that we endure, everything that we accomplish as believers is for our King. It's for Jesus. And so these three metaphors are trying to explain that the Christian life isn't something like a hobby that we just do on the weekends or we do when we have extra time. The Christian life is our very essence, our very being. When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, it changes everything. And how we react and respond to the world, it changes our values, it changes our worldview, it changes our path. But not only do these metaphors have some similarities, Paul uses them specifically to give us more insight into what the Christian life looks like. Things that we should do and things that we should avoid. And so let's take them one at a time. Let's look at the soldier. It's in the first two verses that we read. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. 
He seeks to please the commanding officer. So as a follower of Christ, here comes your first fill in the blank. As a follower of Christ, don't get distracted. Man, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's easy even during the pandemic. At first, it was pretty easy because of the pandemic, everything was canceled, right? And we had all this extra time. And now we've been going 12 weeks with extra time and we've created things to do in it. And now it's easy again to be distracted. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Think about a soldier for a minute. They can't get distracted. They have a mission. They can't focus on anything else because if they don't focus on the mission at hand, the battle will be lost. That's why their training is so intense. Think about boot camp. You know, boot camp is not intended to punish them. It's intended for them to learn to be focused on the mission, to hear the commanding officer above everything else, and to follow through. They have to shake off the civilian mindset, the worries of finances, of relationships, of personal freedoms and rights, of comforts. Because to be a soldier means that you're submitting yourself to a higher authority for the benefit of the greater good. And you're willing to make the sacrifices needed for the sake of the mission. You're willing to sacrifice your comforts, your rights, your finances, your relationships, to endure the suffering for Christ and for his kingdom. Is this how you would describe your life as a Christian? Are you a soldier? Are you willing and desiring to share in suffering? Are you willing not to be entangled in civilian affairs? Are you willing to please your commanding officer above all else? Church, this is a hard pill to swallow. If we're honest with ourselves, this is a hard pill to swallow. Are we soldiers? Do we view our life as a life that we are in battle? Battle for the kingdom. As a follower of Christ, don't get distracted. But stay focused. Stay focused on God's mission. So how can we stay focused? We know it's easy to be distracted. What are ways that we can keep our mind fresh and upon the mission at hand? 
God's word has a couple of ways to help us. First, I think of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you, right? So to be a soldier, to be focused on the mission, it means that we put him first. Because we know that first gets most of our energy, right? First gets our attention. First gets the best. And so it's important that we put Christ first. Next, this passage says that in order to stay focused, we just need to seek to please our commanding officer. Not for favor, not in hopes that he won't send us in to battle. Because a good soldier wants to go to battle. They desire it. They can't wait for that to happen because that's what they're called to. That's what they're, they're, they're excited about because they have a purpose. No, we seek to please the commanding officer because we know that he sees things we don't. He knows things that we don't. He has access to plans that we don't. We seek to please the commanding officer because by doing so, we've increased the chances to win the battle that we're in today. When we seek God, we have a better chance of winning the battle. Have you ever been in a battle with sin? When you put your eyes on Christ, the battle begins to turn. And you begin to see victory. When you put your eyes on anything else, sin wins, doesn't it? We seek to please the commanding officer because in doing so, we've increased our chances to win the battle that's before us. You see, we trust our commander. We trust Christ. So if living the Christian life is our life's work, if it does require training, it is hard work, then we shouldn't run from difficulty. We should expect it. And in all things, seek to please God. Not in order to gain acceptance or to gain salvation. We know that's not how that happens. We seek to please God as an act of trust and an act of submission. He is our commander. He is God. We are not. Paul is entrusting Timothy and he's entrusting us as believers to stay focused on our calling because we are followers of Christ So the next metaphor that Paul uses to explain what a follower of Christ is, what a disciple is, what is someone who is choosing to follow Christ above all else, is an athlete. What can we learn from an athlete? Well, as a follower of Christ, don't take shortcuts. Verse 5 says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. 
Imagine if you're a baseball player and you hit a ball and it goes to the outfield and you begin running around the bags and you hit all of the bags at second base and you get to home. It's not a run. It doesn't matter that you went the distance. You miss second base. Integrity is important to the Lord. We need to follow the rules because we represent Christ. Does that mean we're going to get it right every time? No. But as a Christian, we're saying we are little Christs. That's what Christian means, to be, an, to be a little Christ running around. That how we do life, we're measuring it by everything we do. We're trying to do it in the way that Christ would do it. And so it's important that we follow the rules, that we spend time in God's word, that we know his word and we know it well. Now, of course, we're going to sin. We're human. But God's word tells us what to do when we sin, right? We repent. We don't hide it. We expose it. And we repent of it and we ask the Lord, Lord, help me to turn from it. And through your, through your grace, help me to walk towards you. If the world would see us do that, it would be a different place. We can still hold a standard even when we can't always uphold it. When we acknowledge that we've failed and we repent and we seek to move towards him above all else. You know, Paul doesn't just use in 2 Timothy this metaphor of athlete. He also uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 through 27. This is what it says. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or boxes like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. As a follower of Christ, we don't take shortcuts. We stay true to God's word. We stay true to God's word. This means we discipline ourselves with God's word. We read it and we realize that what it says is not matching what I'm doing. And so I change what I'm doing to match what his word says. It's disciplining ourselves to do what God calls us to do. You know, a lot of times when we think about reading God's word, we think, oh, I've got to do my quiet time. I've got to read the Bible in a year. I've got to get knowledge of God's word. And, and that's important. Please don't misunderstand me. But more important than that is that God's word 
meditates in your heart and it becomes who you are. It's not just head knowledge. Remember, the demons even quoted scripture. Knowing God's word in such a way that it becomes a part of you. That when you experience life and you connect with somebody, that his word is coming out of you to them. That's what God's word is. Remember in 1 John, what it, not 1 John, just John, just the gospel John. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is Jesus. God's word is, yes, is a lot of wise thoughts of God, but it's more than that. It is the person of God. Jesus came and he walked among us and the word lived among us. And so when we read God's word, we are learning a relationship with God. And so as we experience his word and we spend time in his word, we become, we want to become more like it because we want to be more like God. Because God loves us and because his word is true, but he is giving us principles to live our life by because he wants to be known. He wants to be known. And he knows that only through him can we experience abundant life and only through him can we escape sin. And so we need to stay true to God's word because it is our guide and because as we continue to spend time in his word, it becomes a part of who we are. Can you imagine if you were in, um, you were a basketball player and every time that a game came up, you are constantly looking at the rule book and trying to make sure, now do I know what I'm supposed to do? Where are the boundaries? What's going on? If you spent all of your time trying to refresh yourself on the rules, well, what would happen? But a basketball player disciplines himself, spends lots of time practicing so that those rules become a very a part of who he is. He knows or if it's a girl, she knows where the boundaries are. Instinctively, you can feel them. That's what it means to spend time in God's word, that we spend time and we read it, that we become, we become aware. It just comes out. Have you ever been talking with someone and all of a sudden scripture just comes out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? That's because you've spent time in his word, so much time in his word that it just becomes a part of who you are. That's what I mean when I say don't take the shortcut. Spend time in God's word because when we spend time in God's word, it becomes a part of who we are and we begin to reflect God to the world. Ugh. We'll make mistakes, but then they'll see how God responds to us when we're repentant and humble and come before him. Do not take the shortcut 
Do not just nod to church, nod to spending time with God. Yeah, I've done my quiet time. It's a good 10 minutes. Meditate. Let it become a part of who you are. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not something we add to our lives. It is our very life's work. So if it is our life's work, if it requires training, if it's hard, then we should do the work to be a continual student of God's word. It's our guide. Are you spending time in God's word? Paul is entreating Timothy. He's entreating us as believers to stay true to the word and for the word to be lived out in us. For we are followers of Christ. That's what it means. The third metaphor is that of a farmer. The verse says, The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. In the original language, hardworking is translated to mean working to the point of exhaustion. Working to the point of exhaustion. That's why we need to seek God first. Because he wants us to work to the point of exhaustion. Right? For his kingdom. Sometimes that means praying our guts out for the lost. When was the last time that you just spent time on your knees praying for those that are lost that are going to hell because they do not have salvation in their heart that's hard work that's physically exhausting that's spiritually exhausting when was the last time that you shared your faith And told someone how to become a believer. This is our life work. This is why we're still here. Otherwise, when we become a Christian, we should just shoot up to heaven. But he has left us behind for a work. And his work is to tell others about him. To make him known. Have you worked to the point of exhaustion for God's kingdom? Or by the time you get to God's work, are you already exhausted? I have no idea why the pandemic happened. But can I tell you something? I'm thankful for it. Because it took everything out of our daily life. And now we have a unique opportunity that no one has had in as long as I can remember of being able to build our life back from the ground up. What are we going to put first? What are we going to choose to get exhausted over? 
we have a great opportunity to share to the world that Christ is worth it. Above all else, he's worth it. Church, I don't want to miss it. I don't know if we'll have another opportunity like this again. I don't want to miss that. A hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Well, if it's to the point of exhaustion, you can imagine that it would be easy to lose heart. So as a follower of Christ, don't lose heart. Work hard. I think of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is what it says. So my dear brothers and sisters, stand strong. Do not let anything move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. Work hard because we know the work that we do for the Lord is never wasted. Isn't that amazing that God has chosen to use you and me in partnership with him? We are the plan. We are the plan for the world to hear about him. We're it. So work hard knowing that it's not going to be wasted. So as a follower of Christ, don't lose heart. Stay committed to God's work. There are things that we must do in God's work. And there are things that only God can do in God's work. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. It says, I planted, talking about Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. There are things that we have to do. We've got to go and tell the world about Christ, right? We've got to encourage it. It's not just a one-time thing. We've got to encourage it and continue to bring up God and everything that we do and how we live. Hey, I'm making this decision. I want you to know why I'm making this decision because I've been praying about it with the Lord and here's, here's a verse that's come to mind and I'm making this decision based on God's word. And if I'm wrong, he'll help me know it. And if I'm right, he'll continue to give me more confirmation from his word that this is the path I need to go in. And so we plant, we tell people that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He died so that we could live. We tell them that story. We tell them how it impacted our lives and what we did. And then we live out being a follower of Christ in front of them. And then we wait. Because God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. Sometimes we have to wait a long time to see fruit. That's why I'm reminded of, of the passage in James, James 5, 7. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient, even until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. We must labor and we must wait for results. 
knowing this, that when God begins to move, we will have the front row seats of not only seeing these results happen, but also that we will be refreshed and re-energized because we see God using us to further his kingdom. Have you ever known a church that was embattled in arguments, dissension, disunity? You know what happens when a church is in that position? They've lost their focus. They're not focusing on God's mission, God's word, God's work. They're not seeing God move, seeing new believers come to Christ. Because when you see that, it ignites a church. They want more of it. But when you don't, our preferences take center stage and we begin to bicker. But when we see a new believer come to Christ, the excitement and the joy that they have flows out upon us. Don't you want that? I do. I want to pray hard that we will see souls come to Christ. I want to work until I'm exhausted to see new believers saved from hell, experiencing life in abundance and having a hope and a future. Paul is entreating Timothy and us as believers to stay committed to the call because we are followers of Christ. So what if these three metaphors, being a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, were a report card? How did you do? What needs improvement? Are you distracted by the world? Do you look to the Bible for guidance and encouragement? Is the word of God flowing through you and coming to mind as you interact with people and situations each day? Do you work hard and balance that with trusting God with the people that you're sharing your faith with? And pointing them to Jesus. If you could change one area of your life. In order for you to be more true to your calling. To your life's work. Of being a follower of Christ. What would that be? See this message is not to make you feel bad. This is a message. A call to action. Each of us have been distracted. Each of us is lax in our relationship with the Lord. And each of us have been tempted to give up when we didn't see immediate results. But this call to action is declaring to the Lord that we want to do better, that we want to be in partnership with Him, and that we want to follow 
passionately after Christ. That really is what the invitation is every Sunday. The end of the service, we have an invitation time. And really, that's a call to us as a church. What do we need to adjust? What do we need to repent of? What do we need to change? None of us are perfect. Thankfully, God doesn't expect us to be. But to get back on track, to move in the direction of being more like Christ, it requires repentance. And as followers of Christ, we are declaring to the Lord that we put him first above all things. If we're going to be like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer, a disciple, because Christ is worthy of everything that we have and everything that we can give to him. And as believers, we're building our lives around Christ and him only. Then we must accept the call to do life differently. To look different than the world. To follow him with all we have. I don't know where you are today. You may be at home watching us. Um, This message may hit you right in between the eyes. Maybe you've never accepted Christ and you'd like to know more about that. But wherever you are, you can make that place your altar. Certainly if you're here um, with us in person, you can come to the altar and pray. But no matter where you are, God has called us into community. So it's important that when we accept a call to action and we admit that we're not living true to that calling as a Christian, then we need to confess. God's word says in James 5, 16, to confess one to another our sins and pray for one another. We can't do it on our own. We need the encouragement of God's word, the encouragement of his people. And so we come to the altar in submission and in humility, but we also come saying we need prayer. And so I just want you to know that today when you leave uh, this room in the Welcome Center, we'll have ministers that are there. They would love to pray with you and to pray for you. If you want to come down to the altar, you can come and you can pray here. If you want to talk to someone, I'll be here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. I just know that we don't want to delay. We get distracted too easy. If God is speaking and saying, you need to make adjustments. I have given you something that I've not given any generation before. I've taken everything off the table and now you can build it from the ground up. Build your life around Christ. Build your life around him. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for this day. Oh, Father, what 
a timely word, but a hard word to hear. Father, I just pray that you would guide us to you and you alone. You are worthy everything. Help us to build our lives upon you and you alone. In your sins name we pray. Amen.